0: You would not believe this, John. I would watch it in my own eyes. Kids liked. They were young. I don't know how old, 14, 15, maybe that 16. Uh, I watched Jim Curry. I watched Andre Agassi. I watched a kid who I thought was going to be a big star, but it didn't pan out. I mean, he had a great college career, Martin Blackman. And I watched David Wheaton. I watched early, right prior to them, when my girl started, Aaron Crickstein, Jimmy Arias. Oh, man, it it was so much fun. Mm -hmm.
1: John I'm here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated SI.com tennis podcast. We have a special guest this week, Dick Vitale. You know him, of course, from college basketball broadcasting on ESPN. His passion for hoops, I would say, is rivaled by his passion for tennis. He is a huge fan of the sport. He plays himself. He has daughters that play. He'll talk about all of that coming up. I don't anticipate doing a lot of talking on this podcast. This is almost like a week off for me but as passionate as dick vital is about tennis and basketball he's also passionate about raising funds for pediatric cancer research he's having his annual gala may 13th at the ritz carlton sarasota we've covered his event in the past in sports illustrated this year it's may 13th next week at the ritz carlton sarasota I encourage you to check out the website that we will link But Dick Vitale is a tremendous guest. We need to get some tennis pet phrases, some get-a-TOs, some diaper dandies, some PTPers. We need some of that for tennis. We wish that his enthusiasm and passion carried to this sport as well. We'd like to see him replace Mike Tirico, who's leaving ESPN. We'd like to see Dick Vitale on tennis coverage. We talk about that a little bit. Without further ado, you won't be hearing much from me for the next half hour. We turn it over Glad he was able to join us, Dick Vitale. Welcome. I appreciate you doing this. Thanks. Thanks so much. Nope, we, uh, we no ho- problem. We've had a lot of requests to have you on, so I'm glad we uh, we hooked this up because uh, you have a reputation out there, a damning reputation as being a big, big tennis fan. So uh, thanks, thanks for talking some tennis with us. I appreciate that. Uh, no problem. What, what's your? Uh, I mean, I don't. Know, let's start general. What's what's your relationship with the sport? Tell, tell us your tell, tell us what? your tennis background.
0: You know, I'm a, I'm a tennis fanatic. I, I became really involved in tennis big time, John. When my daughter started to play, I'll, both my girls start playing at a basically young age and then I started to pick it up while they were taking lessons and I fell in love with the sport. In fact, I'll be playing singles tomorrow morning. I played uh, two days ago. Uh, I, I play as often as I can where I live and I follow the sport. Uh, I also have a big vital tennis, uh, big college tournament. where We raise money for the V foundation, which is so important to me. And, and we have all these colleges come in here. I mean, you name the college and they come in in November. Uh, then I throw a big bash at my house uh, for all the players and all the coaches, and I bring in Nick Bollateri to speak along with myself to all the kids. So I'm familiar with a lot of the coaches, familiar with a lot of the uh, things that go on in the world of tennis and junior tennis, and and, and I love it.
1: What do you love about it? What, What about tennis Something in you.
0: Well, I love, the, I love the fact that, you know, guys play golf four and, a, four and a half, five hours and, you know, don't get much of an exercise. I play my hour, hour and a half singles, get great cardiovascular workout. Uh, I love the idea when you hit that one great shot, it just really gets you more excited for the next one. And I like the competition of one-on-one with someone, and, and it's just a lot of fun. I find it to be a lot of fun. Uh, I watched my daughters when they played uh, they played on a national level junior tennis and ultimately uh, tennis led them to a tremendous uh, education. They got full rides to go to Notre Dame. They played at the University of Notre Dame and met their husbands there. So tennis really opened the door in our family for a lot of positive things. You
1: raised your daughters, I believe, in the, in the backyard of Mr. Bolletieri, whom you mentioned. Did, did your daughters get a chance to play with some of the players that were, that were passing through the academy?
0: Yeah, you know, my daughters were at the academy at a time where I would go there and watch Love lessons with my girls, and on the next court, Nick would be, oh, Yo, you know, Nick and his great enthusiasm and energy. He would say, I don't know what you're say, talking dick. about. He, he'd say, Dick, Dick, Dick going you see these kids over here, look, I'm going to show you these kids. I'd say, Nick, I don't care about those kids. I care about my two daughters. He said, but these kids, your daughters are going to play in college. They're going to win the U.S. Open. They're going to win the Australian Open. They're going to win the French Open. And on that court, you would not believe this, John. I would watch it in my own eyes. Kids like, they were young, I don't know how old, 14, 15. Maybe at 16, uh, I watched Jim Curry. I watched Andre Agassi. I watched a kid who I thought was going to be a big star, but it uh, didn't pan out. I mean, he had a great college career, Martin Blackman. And I watched David Wheaton. I watched early, right prior to them, when my girl started, Aaron Crickstein, Jimmy Arias. And, oh, man, it, it was so much fun. I'd go down there. I remember one time, I'm doing my first book I ever did with Curry Kirkpatrick. And Curry and I sitting in my yard, and we are talking and talking and talking. Finally, I just got bored, man. I said, Curry, I, I, I don't want to talk anymore about my career and all. Let, let's go watch some tennis. So where are we going? He, I said, I He's a I don't want to go there. They're going to tell me all about these great young boys. I said, <laughs> Curry, there's a girl there I want you to see. I've never seen anything like this girl. He said, Dick. So we went down there. And Curry ended up, I believe, doing a major story on her. It was Monica Sellis. And I will never forget. Nick. He comes over to me. He said, Dick, you should see her. She's She to be on 12 or 13. Unbelievable potential. He said, I'm going to show you something. And he called over on the court about five or six young ladies that were playing on the tour. I mean, they were like 50, 40, 60. I don't, I don't remember their names. I think it was something like maybe Susan Sloan and Kathleen Horvath and those kind of young ladies. Good players. And he talks to Monica's father. and He says to me, watch this. Watch this. I told the pros to hit their second serve. Dick, he goes, I guarantee they don't hit a second ball. Watch this. They hit the second serve. And Monica ripping winner after winner. Then I'll never forget, right after that, Nick gets all upset because she's been on the court so long, she's working so hard, and he said, look, that's it, it's about 98 degrees, that's it, she's had enough, he told the father, she's had had enough. We turn around, 20 minutes later, we hear bam, 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 and we look, and it's Monica Sellers by herself, Hitting on the wall in ninety-some degree weather after working out for three hours. Now, if that's not—I do a lot of motivational speaking across the country. Now, if that doesn't inspire you to greatness and how she became great, it just didn't wake up.
1: That's a great story. i, I don't know where to even go. I, we got Nick, we got Nick Boletari and Dick Vitale both speaking at the same place. We got Curry Kirkpatrick. We got Martin Blackman, who, uh, as you know, is now. May, may not have made it as a tennis pro, but has a tremendous impact with the USTA. That's a great Monica Sellis story. I, I'm curious, though, so how did you do as a tennis dad?
0: How did I do as a tennis dad? You, you watch your I daughters play. I stayed away from matches as much as I could. I watched practice. I imagined, oh, it churns your stomach, man. It's worse than coaching. Watching them when they're up five two, let's say, and now all of a sudden it's 5'4". Oh, it just drives you nuts. My daughters played in an era where there was so many good top-notch players up on top that we realized, after a while, my daughters were realistic. Uh, they had realistic goals. Their goal was to be able to go to a first-class college, get a free education, and it wasn't free because if I factor in what it cost me for tennis lessons, it was more than a scholarship. <laughs> but, but the thing is this, that we loved it because they learned how to compete, they learned about discipline, and we see it as a positive in their lives. Uh, they married two quality guys, My one son-in-law was a quarterback in Northern Dame. Today, he's the youngest sitting uh, United States Circuit Court judge in the state of Florida. My other daughter married a lacrosse player at Notre Dame, and today he's uh, an outstanding, got a tremendous practice as a hand-shoulder elbow surgeon. And I really believe all of this ties in with tennis because it taught them discipline. It taught them about character. It taught them about quality. If you handle it the right way, John, as you know, there are a lot of parents, unfortunately, they want their kids to to find by the word tennis we used to tell our kids tennis doesn't define you it's a little part of your life it's something that you like to do you do it in fact I gave this little lecture I'm talking to you about just yesterday I have five grandkids one of them is a tremendous lacrosse player on a national level at his age but the other four are all nationally rated tennis players and just yesterday they're showing me what Natal's done what Djokovic has done and I said look I don't care about those. You can't talk about it. You're not going to be that level. So let's just be realistic here with our goals. But they're very good players. They're all nationally rated in their age groups. We have a 10. We have a 14. We have twins who are 13. And they play uh, all major tournaments all over the country. They love it. And they're heading... I think in the right direction where they're going to be college players. I mean, they have services now, which really upsets me. They have these services already in the eighth and seventh grade, rating these kids five star, three star, two star, four star for the college coaches. I'm lucky my grandsons, for example, are five star players, so it makes it look pretty good.
1: You're talking basketball or tennis now? Basketball? I'm talking, game? T- no, no, I'm, I'm talking tennis For the recruiting I'm services. T- John.
0: I'm so upset. I I had a little battle with my daughter yesterday in a nice way when I say battle. I said, Sherry, they're very good basketball players. They're outstanding baseball players, switch hitters. Little League, they were super. I said, now I see it's all tennis, tennis, tennis. And you know and I know, if you get into that national level, To be able to compete with the kids you're competing now with, it's almost like every day they go, they two and a half, three hours. In fact, when I get done with you, I'm going down to see my kids train my grandkids.
1: Oh, that's great. All right, I'm not going to keep you too long then. If that's uh, if if that's your out, everyone, let's take a quick pause and pay some bills. Dick Vitale, of course, is known for his work in college basketball. We're going to talk pro basketball. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and here at the SI Network. We give Hoop fans two great shows in one. First, there's Open Floor. Lee Jenkins interviews the most intriguing personalities in pro basketball. And then Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver sit down once a week and break down the best storylines for these very intriguing 2016 NBA playoffs. Actually, the first round, a little rough. Now they're getting intriguing. Anyway, that's all at OpenFloorSI.com's new nba podcast find it on itunes google play music or at si.com backslash podcasts I, i'm curious i mean tennis is so different from basketball in that there's you know there, there's no uh there are no teammates that you can no one's passing up open shots and there's no no calling a to baby you're not uh you know you're, you're not stopping for breaks the coach isn't telling you what to do there's no halftime I, isn't it a much different experience than basketball where it's just just one-on-one and, and no consultation with anyone other than yourself
0: well, you know, I, I think personally, I don't know your feelings. I really think they should allow coaching the tennis. I do. I think they should have somebody that can sit there and, and and talk and inspire and motivate. I don't see why. Why is that such a dilemma? Why would that be such a problem? I don't understand that. You explain to me. I know you're a tennis lover. Why do they? Why do they deny that from happening? I would say one of the
1: virtues. I'll push back gently and say what one of the virtues of the game is sort of figuring things out for yourself, and one of the beauties is problem-solving, and that dynamic gets a little weird. I mean, the other thing I have, when they have these coaches come out on TV, right, for the women's matches that aren't Grand Slams, the coaches come out, and it's always a losing player. So you always have a coach, and it's always a man, and he's always yelling, and it's always sort of it's motivating, but it's not the player that's winning. It's not a positive look on, on TV. And I, I just think right. the optics of this man rushing out to the stands to sort of tell the loser to get her stuff together um, it isn't necessarily, but, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly open to other opinions as, as a, uh, as a former coach yourself, I suspect you could do some pretty quality motivating in between sets.
0: Yeah, I think you can. I, I just think that if you handle it the right way and you make sure to coach, you hit him with a couple of technicals if he gets carried away. I like but that. I, but I, but I, but I really think that would add something. Having a coach, have a little more color, a little more excitement to it. But I, I tell you, we just had a, a tremendous tournament here to show how good players are. Right where I live, we had a, a hundred thousand dollar tournament, and these guys came in, and I would say they're ranked maybe from a hundred. Down, and I'm telling you, it makes you understand. I said to my wife on a baseline, we're watching these young guys play, and I said to my wife, there's a kid named, um, you might even know the name, Francis Tiffel. Yeah, sure, sure, Tf- Yeah, Tiff. i watch watching these guys play, and I said, Hun, it's amazing. These guys are like 100, 150. Can you imagine how good the Federer is in the tiles? I will know. Here's another great story. You get a kick out of a job. I'm on a road doing a lot of speeches. I'm traveling, and all of a sudden, I come home. The car drops me off in front of my house, and we had a tennis court in my backyard, and, and I hear, bam, bam. And I said, gee who, is, who could that be? That's not my daughters. They're in college or school. I, that can't be them. I know it's not my wife because she's not that kind of player. Who could? I walk back there unbelievable I can't believe my eyes I'm watching playing with Tim Gullickson coaching Pete Sampras in my yard with Arias and they're hitting the ball and my wife then comes out she said hey what happened, she said, Nick Moloteri called up, said everybody was bothering Sampras at the academy, he can't concentrate, he called and asked if they could use the court, and I said, of course, and then he, he practiced there for a while, I used to go watch him, and I'd stand at the net and watch his serve, and I'd say, oh my God, how do you get that thing back? It's unreal, and then he won, this is a funny story, he won the U.S. Open right after that, and I'm up at there, and I went to the U.S. Open, and I see him walking by, I said, Peter, come over here, I said, Peter. With my check man <laughs> with my check, you practice in my yard you practice. but but tennis has always excited me uh uh I love it. I remember one time taking a couple of buddies of mine to go down and watch uh, uh hit with agassiz uh, oh, I went, went down there and they couldn't believe it uh guys like Hal McRae, baseball player Bob McAdoo. when that's a what was max a big tennis He's lover. A player. His yeah. Is, yeah. His daughter's terrific player. He was a great player with basketball. He was a great player. I don't mean good. I mean great. Billy Knight. Remember Billy Knight? Yeah, Billy Knight. could Memphis, uh, oh,
1: Memphis he can, he can can play Memphis GM. He could play
0: tennis. Who, uh, non-John
1: non, non Lucas division, who's the best uh, basketball-tennis crossover, you think? I mean, John, John well, Lucas John and, Lu- John in a class by himself, right? Lu- Lu-
0: Lucas was off the charts. Yeah. For what he did, what he did, and I tried to share that with my daughter about my, my, my grandsons. I said, look, he played basketball. How did he play? He was the number one player in, 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 a, in a country. He got drafted number one, and yet he won the NCAA <laughs> <Yeah>. championship <laughs> and then tennis. That's amazing. And I sat with John one time, and I asked him, how did he do that? And he broke down his schedule. He said during basketball season, it would be basketball, but he'd find time every day to hit for about an hour, hour and a half. Then reverse that scheme when it was tennis season. He'd do his tennis full time and find an hour, an hour and a half to shoot, to handle the ball in basketball. So you could do it with this one. I think one of the one of the real sad things. I took my kids to Wimbledon, and I became, by the way, grandfather of the yeah, year. Yeah, seriously. If you, if you were in my house right now, because I'm looking at it right now. If you were in my house in my office. There's a picture. We get to Wimbledon. I took all 11 of my family, five grandkids, my son-in-law's daughters. We got about two, three years ago. We go there, and the minute I get on the grounds, my grandsons, who at that time were about 11, my twins in particular, Papa, Papa. We gotta meet Roger Federer. I love Roger Federer. I said, I don't know Roger Federer. You're not gonna meet Roger Federer. I'm gonna take you to ESPN. You're gonna meet McEnrose, Patrick, you're gonna meet Gilbert, you're gonna meet Chris Everett, you're gonna meet Mary Joe Fernandez, and we go, they get pictures all and we leave. But but what about Federer? I said, I don't know Federer. You're not gonna see anyway, what happens? A buddy of mine was coaching a girl named Lizicki, Sabina Lizicki, and she she upset upset Arapova. Okay. She upset Maria. And she was he was walking on the grounds and I saw him. He used to coach my daughters when they first started. And I'd say, Chip, how you doing? Great win. And then say to me, you know, what are you doing, man? I said, Well, everybody's here, the family. He said, Well I gotta meet them. I said, Chip, do you have any idea where Federer is practicing? I said, well, he was my Door. my grandsons are driving me nuts. He said, Yeah, take him to court that we just were on. It's no problem though. He said there was fifty people watching us and there's about two thousand gonna be around him. I said, Oh that ends that story. And then he looked and he said, What do you give me that thing you're wearing? I was wearing an ESPN. He said, Dick, you could go anywhere with that pass. Anywhere I said, But it's not me. I said my grandson I said, put him close to you and just flash that and you can run out of court. And I did. We flashed it, and then I'm walking away. He says, do you know Paul Anacone? I said, yeah, I remember Paul played the cat of my daughter. So he said, why are you asking me about Paul Anacone? He said, Paul Anacone is Roger's coach. I said, are you serious? So we go here, and we're on the court thousands of them. I tell my grandson, don't say a word. He's got a big match coming up with Djokovic. I don't want to say a word. And all of a sudden I make eye contact with Anna Cody. He comes over. Dick, I really wish I had more time to spend with you. How's Terry Sherry's but I, I got a we got a major match and I said, Well, I don't want to bother you, Paul, but I said any chance when he's done can he take a picture with the kids? He said, "Absolutely," and he comes over. My grandson, if you see this picture I have, it's unbelievable. Their eyes. In fact, you give me a. I want you to text me a phone number, and I'm going to text you, you the picture. It. And and I'm telling you, I became grandfather to the, and then Roger. I didn't know he knew me. I said, you know, lots of luck, man. I said, well, my buddies, we feel that you're the, the best in the business. And he said to me, well, coming from you, it means I said, well, you must know who I am. And then then he took all the six balls he practiced with and he signed them and he gave them to my two grandsons. And I became grandfather. Oh, man. He retired the award.
1: Year. The NFL draft was huge for Gas Mask, Google Searches. It was also huge for us here at SI. We have three big shows analyzing the aftermath. First, On the Clock with Chris Burke, who painstakingly tracked the draft all season long. Then we get MMQB. They have a total wrap-up podcast. And finally, Draft Season, SI's NFL Draft miniseries. I encourage you to listen to all the episodes. It's really something we're proud of here. That's On the Clock, the MMQB podcast and Draft Season. Find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on Google Play Music as well. You've. Uh, I, I was thinking you, you, you. probably can't do Australia because of the basketball season. You've done Wimbledon. Have you? Have you done the French as well?
0: I did the French, did Wimbledon, the U.S. I've never done a straight. At I, I, my age now, I'm going to be honest with you, John. I, I I just can't travel that far. I would love to go there. I I just uh, my daughters went on a safari Africa. I was, was going to go with them and my grandkids and all. And last night I told my wife, I, I I'm not doing 18 hours. <laughs> oh come on, you you're I'm doing
1: just, uh, uh, you're doing West Lafayette, Indiana. You're doing Stillwater. You you can do you can do a direct flight to Paris. you, well, you, can, you can do Johannesburg. Hey buddy, let,
0: I, but I, it's great talking about uh, tennis. But I want to give one thing before I leave. Yeah, 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 Something very, something very important to me, John, is raising money for kids battling cancer. I have my big, I have my big Dick Vitale gala coming up next week. We're already sold out. Over 800 people. We'll have over 70 celebrities, including Nick Volante. will be there, including Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. We're honoring Urban Meyer. We're honoring, uh, well, the great Robin Roberts from Good Morning America, Bo Ryan, because these people have done wonders and. The world of cancer and raising dollars for cancer, and then we're going to give two grants out. We're giving two grants out for two youngsters that lost their lives this year to cancer. One, a girl right here in Sarasota, an accomplished pianist, violinist. I talked to the dad the other day, and I'm telling you, if you heard his voice how crushing. He lost this girl on March 27th. She was she used to tour all over the world and play at age 12 and 11. You should see the talent. We're going to run a video at the event of her talent, but we're going to do a, like a quarter of a million dollar research grant, her name, and one in the former uh, coach at Michigan, uh, Lloyd Carr's grandson, Chad Carr. We're going to do uh, uh, it's the same thing for him. He lost his life to brain cancer. So anybody who wants to help me, anybody listening, please, you can call this number we're trying to raise dollars to finance these grants. 94013746026. 9413746026. and you can help us. you may ultimately save the life of someone you love, because only four cents out of every dollar raised for cancer research goes for kids and pediatrics, and that is a crime.
1: And we have a lot of people in South Florida, too, and all, all throughout Florida. The gala is May 13th, correct?
0: Gallows, May 13th, Rich carlton Resort. Uh, it'll be a great time. We got 70-so. I mean, we got Mike Bray coming to order today, Bob Huggins, West Virginia, Steve Alford, UCLA. I mean, the list goes on. Sean Miller, Arizona. We got Chris Sable to Cincinnati Reds. We got Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. We got, uh, oh, my God, Jim Harbaugh. Is the, the, the list is on Nick Wallenda, the high wire. And we got him. We got baseball players, a basketball. F- John Gruden's coming. Dan Schumann of ESPN. Uh, ESPN, people from ESPN, Chris Fowler. In fact, he's going to introduce me, but it's going to be a great night. It's probably now in my life the most important thing in my life to my last breath. I have five healthy grandkids, and I've gotten to know these kids, John. Andy Staples, your paper, covered it one year, and he saw the emotion involved. Uh, uh, I I get to know a lot of these kids and their families. They feel part of my family, and I'm telling you, we've had 12. 12 kids with us over my 10 years of my gala who have either been with our gala or their families were who have lost their lives to cancer. And that's all because there's not enough dollars for research. People could also learn more if they go to DickVitalOnline.com. We're going to put all that in. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on.
1: You are the grandfather of the year. You are awesome, baby. I want to know, though, last question. There's a vacancy now with Mike Tirico leaving. I think you need to cover some tennis. All seriousness, I think we need this passion for <laughs> hey, ESPN. Give me
0: good tennis. I mean, that would throw me out of boots of one minute with me getting so excited and getting so. We need fired. more of that. Are you kidding yeah, me? We need so- you. They're so low key there. They're so That was a great forehand. That was a tremendous, <laughs> oh, my God, the backhand. They're taking the ball. They're taking the <laughs> ball so early. Look at the serve. Only the serve. She's not getting her toss up enough. She's tossing it to the interior. Hey, the one great thing about Serena Williams, she can absolutely have a bad day with ground strokes, and her serve can get her to the oh, top wow. of the mountain.
1: We need you in the booth. I appreciate this. Go watch your grandson hit some balls. This was a lot of fun.
0: Hey, John. Thanks, man. appreciate being on. You do a great job.
1: Appreciate that. Anytime. Thanks, Dick. Thank Take care. You. All right. That does it for this week. That was our guest, Dick Vital. Hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. We met him many years ago, and he's always been incredibly generous with his time, candor, and, of course, has passion to burn. Almost irrespective of the topic at hand. We'll have a new guest next week. Pretty soon, we'll be previewing the French Open. Again, I'm John Wertheim. Thanks to our producer, as always, the lovely, the talented Jamie Lasanti, who's doing a lot of work here. Follow me at John underscore on Twitter. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. Hear the whole SI network, the panoply, as it were, at si.com podcasts. We'll do it again next week. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening.